Hello everybody, and you're listening to Technical Disaster, where anything that can go wrong, will go wrong. So what's going wrong in with the internet today? The Fire Emblem Echoes DLC. Is it really as bad as it seems? Let the music play. <laughs> hey, we'll never be able to hear the really awesome music from the second episode of Rocket Radio. For shame, Dozer. For shame. Wait, there was gonna be there was gonna be really awesome music. I had the really awesome intro music, and you're just gonna use that instead of the regular music that we had for the oh, yeah. one other episode. Rocket Radio. Anyway, this is not Rocket Radio. This is technical disaster where we take a look at things that are going wrong on the internet. And besides it being uncharacteristically hot, for where I live at least, it's Fire like Emblem, I, I keep wanting to call it Fire Emblem Fates, so well, I mean, pardon me if I mess that up 70 times this episode. It's okay, I'll be sure to correct Any you more every than that, time. And you're gone. Yep. But before we begin, I want to give some shout-outs to people who are watching live in the chat. Remember, all of our episodes are live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash techthiscast. And we don't get a lot of people in the chat, so if you swing by, that'll be awesome. And I see Pens X Swords in the chat. Thank you for stopping by. Hey! And I'm pretty sure he's literally the only person there right now. Uh, probably. I don't know. My viewer list isn't uh, updating. but So we love them extra. Yes. 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 Number one fan right there. He is our, our. He is also in charge. Number one of fan. Project. Number one fan. <laughs> one number one fan. Okay. Anyway, Fire Emblem Echoes DLC. If you didn't know, a lot of people had a very negative opinion about it because it's a forty dollar game, and unlike previous Fire Emblem series, this one has a season pass. And that season pass is $45. And people are freaking out because the season pass is worth more is more expensive than the base game. And on paper, at a flat level, that seems like a reasonable thing to be outraged about. However, when you take a look at other aspects of how the DLC has worked within the Fire Emblem series, that begins to lose a little bit of credibility because... Contrary to popular belief, Fire Emblem has a lot of DLC and it costs a lot of money. Often, much, much more than the cost of the game. Uh, so with me I have Olivia and Dart, and we'll be talking about this. Dart is our facts guy. He has all the facts about Fire Emblem. And Olivia is here to give us a lot of game design knowledge and perspective on things. They are both members of our wonderful tech support team, so be nice to them. Hi, guys. Or, or don't. I can take it. We won't be nice to each other, so you should no, be nice to No, we us. won't. We won't. It's going to be it's gonna be really brutal. Uh, especially if, if I don't know if anyone's here is going to be playing Devil's Advocate, but that could be fun. So let's just jump, jump right into the numbers. We said that the DLC season pass for Echoes costs about $45, $44.99, plus tax. Which obviously changes depending on where you are. And when we say dollars, just for yeah. reference, we are talking about American dollars. Yeah, U.S. Just, dollars. Just so we're clear only, on that. Freedom dollars. The only dollars yes. that matter. You know, and now Nintendo claimed... Now, one of the first things people had issues with is Nintendo claimed 
that the season pass gave you, what was it, more than 30% savings yep, on the all the DLC? Nintendo said that, this, that saving it, the season pass was a 30% save over buying it individually. However, on their website, they originally only listed the season pass and the grouping of the DLC, the DLC groups, which is how you bought DLC previously. They didn't have mm -hmm. the price for all the stuff individually. However, they have recently given us the, how much each is individually around the same time the game released. And we can see when comparing the season pass to individual DLC purchases, it does save you around 32%. And not the 13.5 number being thrown around by a lot of, a lot of people on the internet. Yeah, do, you, do you have any idea where that number is from? Which number? The 13.5. The 13.5, yeah. Uh, that's like because the total cost of the DLC bundles... Because they originally listed those oh, costs, I and when you totaled them out, it came to fifty-one ninety-five. Gotcha. While buying them individually comes to sixty-five seventy-eight. Got it. Yep. I'm just gonna trust all that math because I didn't do it. Well, yeah, I you didn't should either because I did. Hashtag. I dark believe facts. in you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, but then you can look at well, the and I've heard that I'm like okay. Yeah, even I was like, that's a lot of DLC cost. But then I remembered Awakening had... I think I spent on Awakening DLC, because that's where I got the most DLC. I think I probably spent at least three-fourths of the game, and I own game's value on DLC. And I got, like, only, like, a third of the available DLC. Yeah, when looking at the bundle price, which is buying it the cheapest way possible in Awakening, it's $53 even for all the DLC before tax. So even when looking at the bundle prices, that's more expensive than Echoes. And Echoes had the even cheaper option of a season pass. Mm -hmm. uh, Fates had, for bundle-wise, had the cheapest DLC by far, but that's because it had the least amount of DLC. And that's if you don't count the two alternate pa uh, paths as DLC. Yeah, really, you could make an argument that Fates' deal, that Fates's, uh, base game was twice the amount of the other two. You really needed to dish out $80 for the full story of Fates, as opposed to only 40 of Awakening and Echoes. And that's without a lot of important story points left in the DLC of Fates, which neither Awakening or Echoes did. Yeah. So, Fates was the most expensive game by far, but I know a lot of people don't count the alternate paths as DLC. I consider them to be, because it functions the same way as DLC. I can see an argument... But I can see an argument from both sides. Mostly for because the third path is download only, if I remember correctly. Yes, the Revelations is download only. And theoretically, you could dish out, if you were a little ridiculous, whatever, it, it could even cost $100 if, let's say, you bought Birthright and Conquest game copies. Yeah. Because if you bought one path, you got another path half off. If you just went out and bought both of those cartridges without realizing it that's $80 right there another 20 on the on revelations and another $26 on the bundles the point we're getting to at here is fates is a bit of an outlier when it comes to dlc content because it's it only had a few pieces of dlc content for it the only stuff that i remember was the standard uh experience pack the money grinding pack and the item grinding maps those three maps which are normally bundled in a pack and it's it, it's really good like i love that dlc i liked how they did it better in awakening but regardless 
I do like how they handled that DLC because it makes I hate grinding. <laughs> and having a dedicated grinding map is really nice. So anyway, we're going to exclude a lot of these numbers on Fates in our comparisons because Awakening and Echoes just gives you the better concept. So just running down people complaining about Echoes DLC being ridiculously expensive. On total bundle cost, it's cheaper. On total individual cost as well, it's cheaper. The total individual cost for Awakening DLC was $70.50 before tax. For Echoes, it's $65.78 before tax. Now, really quickly, I am going to bring up a point that, um, yes, it is cheaper than some of their other DLC packages, but the point is is that that might still be too expensive. And I think that's where a lot of the complaints are coming from. Like, I haven't really read a whole lot about the, uh, the Fire Emblem things in particular, but I've heard a lot of these complaints about a lot of different games. Um, and it, usually they don't care about X game having X prices for their DLC. It's just a matter of, of what one they're particularly mm -hmm. looking at. And it's still seeming expensive if you don't exclude looking at all other games and you just look at the one in question. Oh yeah, most... Most definitely. Um, I, I, I can see that point, but I think there's some reasons that DLC costs what it does, and I don't think it's because, most in most cases, in most cases, I don't think it's the money grab that people tend to assume that it is. No, I mean, it's actually really complicated, right? Because um, there's a lot of things that go into DLC, and it's more different than just, oh, we took this content and we couldn't fit it in a time frame, and so we decided to do it later sort of thing mm -hmm. than most people seem to think of it. And maybe at one point it was more like that. Um, but there's a lot of things that go into it, especially things that go into the cost of it. Um, most notably, the things that go into the cost of it, and sometimes why it's more than would seem to be relatively fair based on the content of the game, is that it has to compensate for a smaller number of players that are going to buy it compared to those that buy the original game. It has a much smaller audience than the original game does, whereas the original game has the audience of gamers, let's say, um, quote, or whatever their particular audience is. Um, the DLC is has an audience of people that bought the game mm -hmm. right so it's even narrower um and so that that's that's one of the big things that i feel like people don't really consider and that's why the ratio seems a bit off yeah um like for example i don't know if this these statistics are true by today's standards but i do know one of, in all of our information that oh, most of the information that we're citing anything that we cite specifically is going to be in the show notes linked on our website at technicaldisaster.com with this episode. So make sure you head there if you want to look into the information yourself. But uh, Extra Credits a while ago did a video when Mass Effect 3 came out and Mass Effect 3 had this big old DLC debacle. Well, really and with it, it, it was less of a DLC debacle than it was a uh, just sort of content debacle, right? Well, yeah. And, and we're, we're not, not even going into the details of it. Not getting oh. into the specifics of Mass Effect in general, because what we're citing in the video is more what they say about DLC practices. Yeah. And one of the things they mention, and this is a lot, this ties into the main complaint about DLC is day one DLC is the devil. Because everyone seems to have this conception that any DLC that is available the game the release day of the game is stuff that could have been in the base game in the first place. Yeah, and um, that, that's and that's go ahead. That that's kind of what the rest of 
this episode is going to be about Echoes is really the baseboard for jumping about this topic because it's because the issue with the deck Echoes DLC thing, as you mentioned, it's not specific to the game. It's something that's related to gaming as a whole right now. It just pops out as more of an issue because it comes from Nintendo, which is not a company a lot of people expect to see from this. But the yeah. issue of DLC with Echoes is even more complicated than normal, because especially when you add in the fact that this is a remake of a game from 1993, back before DLC was even thought of. So that's another issue. Do they, they didn't want they don't want to just add stuff to the game. They made very minimal changes outside of the art style and graphics. Um, so and, and the and the, the core engine, the game was so, the engine itself. Yeah, really. Outside of things that make the game look pretty, Echo specifically is not very different from Fire Emblem Gaiden, the game it's based off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because of that though, it it really draws to attention in consumers' minds that the mm-hmm. DLC is like this, you know, because of the fact that it is a remake of an older game, it's obvious, right? And it's yeah. easy to compare it to the way it used to be. But the thing is, though, is that, you know, DLC is a thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is that a lot of game companies handle it questionably. But it's a really fine line to walk is the problem. Um, because the thing about DLC, especially on larger games, um, like big production quality games, and I would honestly, I would put Fire Emblem in this category for oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, it's, it's a monolith brand for Nintendo nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the thing about DLCs is people always talk about it being like, oh, like if it comes out on day one, it's content that they cut from the game just for to make money. That's the argument that vast majority of people make. But that's not vast majority of the time, and, and, and I've never worked for a large-scale game company, so maybe I don't know this is true, but just based on just thinking about it, that there's no way that that's the case. And the extra credits video that we're citing actually explains this. Yeah, so yeah. DLC is planned in advance. It has to be. If you just, it, it, it wouldn't make sense for them to finish the core game and then be like, well, I guess we're going to make some DLC now because just based on, like, from, you know, a production standpoint, that makes no sense. You need to get started on them so that they can be produced in a timely manner. And sometimes that means that they get done at the same time as or before the game even gets started. Um, and so because of that, they release it with the game. Um, and there's lots of reasons why, from a producer's standpoint, why that makes sense, especially like as Extra Credits talks about. Yeah. However, um, and I, before you continue your thought, because this tangent this transitions really well into one of the points made in the Extra Credits video, and it also kind of goes against what you're saying, so I really want to bring it up now. Yeah, please Another do. thing is, is, especially when you're looking at games that are designed by one studio and published by another, because remember, Nintendo is a publisher first. Yep. Not a design studio. They're different things. And so, so is EA also. Something yeah. to make note of with the, the Mass yeah. Effect thing. Yep. So, and Nintendo is actually the publishing company that started this practice of quality testing games in advance of release. So oftentimes in these big developments, games need to be sent out weeks ahead of time as a finished final product before the release day. Uh, like... I think one of the numbers that Extra Credit said is something like, you know, usually like at least eight weeks ahead of time or something like that. So a substantial amount of time so that the publisher can make sure it's up to their standard and quality. And there also is enough time that if there's something wrong that can be fixed, there's time to fix it. And before you... However... 
And before you... You go ahead. Okay, you you go. You speak, darling. Me speak? All right. And before you think, well, how does this apply to Fire Emblem Echoes? It's a Nintendo franchise. Shouldn't they be be playtesting it as it's being developed? Fire Emblem is developed by Intelligent Systems, a separate party. Sure, I think they're a... I think Nintendo's a parent, their parent company, but it is, they still have separate resources and a separate development team than the development team that Nintendo might employ for, say, Mario. So it is, it is important to make the distinction. These rules do apply to Fire Emblem in addition to any other examples we come up with in this episode. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, good point. Anyway, back to this. And a lot of the times, too, when we're talking about that waiting, the test period where Nintendo is testing the games and in this situation, Intelligent Systems is done developing what will be released as the game. A lot of the times they'll use this to finish up any of the DLC that will be released, especially the DLC that will be released right away. Um, Because they still have to... they, They still have these designers on schedule for this time span in case they need to fix something quality wise in the game that Nintendo finds. And they're not. And why have them just sitting there twiddling their thumbs when they can be making and working on more content? Absolutely, and that's the, yeah. That's another reason why again the DLC will get done like at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, one thing though is that consumers don't see this, and so it makes sense why when content comes out the first day as a game, why they would be frustrated by this. Oh, most um, but definitely. An, but another thing that. Um, that people don't really seem to see, I think, is that sometimes DLC actually adds to the experience of the game as they play it. And if it comes out, like, a month later after they've beaten the game, like, they missed a window there, like the, the developers did. Um, and that's really, really important. Um, day one is questionable. Um, but I, I, I think I remember seeing somebody talking about Fire Emblem Awakening and complaining about how, like, oh, one DLC is coming out on the day one, one DLC is coming out a week later, one DLC is coming out a week later. But the reason they do that is because there's a very narrow window of, of opportunity there for the developers to get the content to the players when they're going to want it, um, which is while they're playing the game. Um, and so that's a really hard thing for for um, for developers to do. and. Um, Joe Juba, who wrote this article about the defending day one DLC, and it was a while ago, it was in 2012, so it's a little bit outdated, but I feel like it's still relevant, and, and he said this one thing, he said, by opposing the idea of day one DLC, you're essentially asking to be fed a fantasy in which you let yourself believe that the DLC wasn't ready sooner or being worked on at the same time as the base game, if it helps you sleep better, fine, but I'd rather have content as soon as possible, so... They, developers could take that thing that's ready at day one and push it back three weeks. But the thing is that it's there, and so the people that want it are going to want it if it exists. Um, and that's just an, a truth of it that's sort of unavoidable. And that's one reason why most day one DLC, I think, um, is is intentionally put out for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another mm-hmm. thing, uh, you mentioned how... Uh, Awakening, Fates, and Echoes all did the same thing where there was day one DLC and then it releases on more or less a weekly schedule. What this does is that they have always done it so that way the most interesting DLC is re- is released later. You know, it's always the, the the grinding maps with the gold or the loot and the XP. That always comes first and then the story-based stuff comes later. What that does is it keeps your interest in the game longer therefore getting you more invested in the game and more likely to buy the next one that comes out so 
And then when you look at the types of DLC that Fire Emblem releases, um, it's more than just, you know, map packs. And, and I think map pack in Fire Emblem means something totally different than we talk about, like, map pack in Call of Duty, by the way. It's Because really- map packs in Fire Emblem is basically a full level and a full chapter of the game. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous how much stuff you get in the DLC with with uh, Fire Emblem. I mean, in Awakening Alone, you have access to 16 units, four skills you can put on any unit, two brand new classes, narrative, lore, uh, you have, well, you know, waifu and husbando culture appeasing art, which they like to beach throw episode. in there. You have the beach episode and fates and stuff like that, and you have, in Awakening, you have apotheosis, which is, like, the ultimate test of your Fire Emblem playing skills in that game. Mm-hmm. And it's actually and very they, just, most people are yeah. disappointing that it didn't make a return in Fates or in Echoes. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, they spaced a lot of this out in a way, like you said, the first stuff that comes out is the grinding maps. Then they release things like units and classes that help in the early game, and skills that make better things in the late game, and classes that are better in the late game are released later on. Um, like, normally the Dreadfighter and Bride classes from Awakening are the classes that if you're making the ultimate unit you want to end with, not classes that you'll be riding through to pick up skills from them. Yeah, these are the but, classes the way, that have making... the high caps, on you know, high speed, high attack, whatever it's needed. They're meant to just go in there and destroy anything, and that's why the maps that you find them on tend to be more difficult than the maps released earlier. Which is... And, and, and that's that's really smart. And honestly, because one of the, the things about DLC that is difficult is timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've already talked about this a little bit, but um, so some DLC is probably put out early because, like, um, again, we already mentioned Mass Effect because it's one that caused a lot of controversy. Um, one of them had these two characters in the DLC. And Mass Effect is about building this this long, strung-out narrative with these characters and engaging with them. So if you buy the DLC after you're almost at the end of the game, or if you come back after you beat it, there's a huge amount of experiences left out there. But there's another type of DLC that can be used to sort of pull players back in, right? If it is released later. And a lot of games try to do both. And maybe that's trying to do too much. And it's, sometimes it's really transparent that they're trying to do that, which is a problem. But if it comes out at the right time and is balanced really well it can really really honestly make a game better i think um and maybe that's a controversial opinion but i really think that day one dlc and just dlc in general i guess not just day one dlc um is not always evil (laughs) Mm -hmm. no and and most times like and a lot of people uh, will be like you know um in on the releasing on the day one dlc why do they why do most games like a lot of games nowadays have day one or week one DLC. And a lot of that actually comes down to statistics as well. So the same uh, Extra Credits video that was originally about the Mass Effect 3 DLC, they talked about this a little bit. I wish they'd focus more a little bit about it and show more of the numbers because they show this image of this chart with buying habits. And it shows this sharp drop of people who were purchased DLC on day one, the first week, and then they show like three months, six months, nine months, and one year, and it drops drastically from the first week to the three-month period. And they just show that basically every week you wait to put out DLC is less likely that someone is to buy it because we're all we're in this time now where games are being released constantly. 
And so, you, how many times has this happened to you? And I'm basically paraphrasing something I said in the video. Um, where you've been playing a game, and then you see, oh, hey, this game got some DLC, but you're now playing a different game, and you're like, oh, I'll have to go back and play that DLC once I finish with this, and you never go back to it. I feel like that happens more often. And it also depends on the type of game. If it's like a multiplayer game that you're usually off and on playing it anyway, it makes sense why they would string out DLC over a long time. But mm -hmm. on a narrative game or on a more, you know, sort of linear game that you just play through once or maybe twice, it's really important that the DLC, like I said, is there when players are going to play it. Um, mm -hmm. But the problem, though, is that consumers see this and they don't see it as, you know, extra content. They see it as content that could have been in the main game. Um, which is such a hard thing for developers to deal with because they want to put it out when people are going to buy it, but then bad press can happen if it looks like they're cheating their customers when in fact it's often not the case at all. Mm -hmm. And so I really think the only way that we can, can understand... I just, look, can yeah, I just you can say something. So throw something in about the cheating customers? They're actually getting you more bang for your buck, especially on the narrative games. Like I would say Fire Emblem is a narrative game. By releasing this DLC... Uh, you know, the way they do it is brilliant because by releasing it later, you know, about a week and then another week, you're actually, if you buy that, you know, four or five dollar piece of DLC, but then play through the entire game again to the, get the experience with that. Like, for instance, uh, on June 22nd, Fire Emblem Echoes will be releasing DLC that has a grand total of four new characters. It adds four new characters to the game. At that point, most people are going to have already beat the game. But if you are going back and playing through the entire game again, all five acts with two separate armies with four new units, are you kidding? That's that's getting. Let's say if, you know, I say a good game will make will let you play an hour for every dollar you spend. You're spending, I think it's twelve dollars on that DLC. You're putting another sixty hours into the game. But that's making the assumption that people are going to want to be playing it again, um, and a lot of time that's not the case. Um, but also, though, just to sort of put it in frame of reference, like, I have no idea how many four units is in the context of Fire Emblem. I don't know if it's a lot or for, not very many. So. For Echoes, it's a get, lot. Get, for Echoes, for, it's a yeah. lot. And it does not have as big of a cast as Fates or Awakening has. And it's split yeah, well, in two. I don't know how big the cast is there either. So <laughs> I, I mean, even regardless of cast size, you can usually only bring between 8 and 12 units. Maybe I've seen the highest be, like, 16. Well... The, the interesting thing is Echoes is that since the cast is split in half, you know, for the most part, oh, yeah. you you're actually on on every map I've played with so far, I can bring every unit I have available to me. That's and cool. I soft reset when a character dies or use Milla's turn wheel and Echoes. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there is no unit restriction, which just opens up the path with having these new characters coming out June 22nd. It just opens up more battle strategies even more because I'm just adding without having to balance who do I replace them with. So and I actually do have a counterpoint there. Um, okay. And it's that, so you say that it's good bang for your buck. And relative to what you're getting on its surface, that may seem like it's true. But compare the price of the content you get from all the DLCs to the content that you get without it. Okay? So take just the core game and how much content is there and then mm -hmm. take just the DLC and how much content is there and compare them. And there's a huge disparity there. Like, I know that there is a reason for this. And I think I actually was one of the first things I mentioned is that um, compensation for smaller percentage of players that are going to buy the DLC in terms of pricing. 
Um, but there's still a disparity there, and that's way more obvious to consumers than anything else. And I'm, just to show you like another example of that, um, this is sort of a small game that it's an indie game that I used to play a lot and have sort of played a, a less of. It's called Armello. It's a sort of uh, digital board game. Um, the details don't matter, but the main game is twenty dollars, mm-hmm. and each of the the larger DLCs are ten dollars each. And the main character, ha- uh, the main character, the main game has I think eight characters and uh, in it, and a certain number of cards and so forth. And the DLC that's ten dollars comes with like two characters and an item. Now, if you look at it as being half the content or half the price for so much less content, it can be really hard to justify it. And even though I love the game, I was never able to justify that price just based on the relative pricing. So um, so though, even though the DLC is a good deal for, for, for the Spire Emblem game, um, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily enough of a deal. Does that make sense? Yeah, and um, when it comes to stuff like from that... From a consumer standpoint. When it comes to stuff like that, it really comes down to individual companies' DLC... Um, practices. I would say Nintendo, for the most part, handles DLC very, very well. I'd say the exception is actually probably Fates, which is the cheapest of the pure, pure DLC stuff. But that's another discussion. Um, but you know, that like that is poor DLC management. That should have been five dollars. Uh, you know, around there, that would have been a reasonable price range. You know, that's me. That's me saying that without knowing how much money went into developing the game, how much money went mm-hmm. into producing the DLC specifically. Oh, absolutely. How much money? To, how many people they're expecting to buy it? There's a lot of variables that you, me, and Dozer, we just don't know. Mm-hmm. But and you know, and and one of those most important variables I think is how much do they need to pay the developers working on that DLC? Especially after a game that's already released, right? That they could be working on their next game instead of working on DLC that maybe a few that very fewer players are gonna buy. Yeah, so. and with the, and the yeah. further difficulties that you mentioned, that's an indie game that already has a smaller audience than usual, and it doesn't sound like this DLC came out within a week of the game, which means it has an it even smaller audience. So they had to raise the price just a little bit more in order to make sure that they're still hopefully make, it's gaining it. some sort of profit yeah. off of all of this. And as a developer, I totally get all that. But it's still important to realize why this makes people angry. Oh, yeah. Right? And why and did these things cause mm-hmm. um, cause a pushback. Yeah. And I'm in no way, um, probably a little bit late to be expressing this, but in no way do I think that consumers are wrong for complaining about these Oh, absolutely. Practices. Like, it's their money, and, you know, like, they want their money to... They want to get as much out of it as they can. I get that. Yeah. Our point uh, here is to give that. you enough information so you can complain reasonably. You know, so you can be <laughs> correct when you complain. Basically. Don't just Basically. complain without knowing what you're complaining about. That, too. But also, <laughs> if you can understand the thought process behind DLC and what goes on behind the reins, you might be a little more accommodating for it and also if we have people understand that oh the audience is less likely to buy it after the first week because that's one i think one of the driving factors behind day one dlc first week dlc and if enough people become informed the drop-off while still prominent could be less drastic and if they can expect more people to buy dlc they can lower the price a little bit and still retain that profit. Or they can keep the price at the same, but put more stuff in it. 
And I think that's a really good thing. And honestly, I think it's a great thing that people are aware of these pricing schemes. And I think it's honestly good that people get mad about this sort of stuff if 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 they think that it's not worth it. Because that honestly encourages developers to think about that a lot more carefully when they're designing this stuff. But it's most, still most important to not... To not get ahead of yourself or not think, oh, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, like, oh, like, games these days, all the DLC is ruining it. It's all this just, oh just big corporate nightmare. And, and to some degrees it is, you know, like, there's some really big nightmares like Evolve. Um, that's one that I don't think I could ever justify. Um, it was just sort of a development nightmare in terms of the DLCs and stuff. And honestly, I think that that's probably way more to do with the publishers than the developers. But the problem is that there's fault somewhere. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's good to be aware of these things, but it's also good to think of it from both perspectives when you're, you know, when you're about to support something or not support something with your wallet. Um, it's good to know all sides of it yeah. you know don't blindly uh, accept dlc and pay for it and don't blindly hate it because there's good and bad in both situations which i think in general is a good thing but i also think that's why people are extra skeptical about season passes season passes is an interesting thing um and i really honestly don't know where i sit on it i think in general it's good because it's just more options right if you mm-hmm. want to say if you but but what I what I really don't like is when companies will sell you a season pass for X number of dollars and then not tell you what's going to be in it. Like they'll just say, "Oh, it's the next three DLCs," and yeah. we have no idea what's. I think I can't remember. Was it Assassin's Creed or something that did it's something like most that? games that do stuff? Like it's a lot. It's a lot of big games that do that. They just say the next three DLCs, and then two of those DLCs end up being like skin packs. Which and that's is, the sort of thing that is absolutely yeah. unacceptable, in my opinion. Yeah, but I think that's why how Nintendo handled the Echoes DLC, they did it pretty well, I think. Because what they did is they announced it, they gave you the price, and they listed all five DLC packs. And for the first four, they listed well, the Well, one of them they th- were like, <laughs> Well, they listed all five DLC packs, gave you the prices for them, and they gave you the details as much as they could for the first four of them. And the even and even on the day the game released. So before you bought the season pass, you could st- you they updated what that fifth DLC was, so you were not you made sure you knew what you were getting. In fact, you're getting more than you knew because I, since playing the DLC myself, I've discovered several rewards that the game gives you for playing the DLC it doesn't tell you about. Ooh. Yeah, which is great. Honestly, I think that that from just from what I've seen from talking with you guys and from doing a little bit of my own research, I feel like that the Fire Emblem game seemed to do it pretty well and didn't really deserve the pushback it got. Um, it's, I think it's just the fact that it's Nintendo that scares people. Yeah. I think it's a kind of like, oh no, my darling is untouchable. Nintendo I, I, is doing wrong yeah. things. I, it's the combination of that and the fact this is the first Fire Emblem game with a full season pass. Uh, yeah, awakening. Because, which made you could the only price of bundles. the DLC. Yeah, yeah. With the season pass, it made the price how much the total DLC actually cost apparent. Well, before, especially big Fire Emblem fans probably spent a lot of money on DLC, probably thirty to forty dollars if they bought a lot of it, without or realizing fifty-three dollars t- and twenty-six dollars. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they probably didn't realize how much they spent in total because it was over time and not all in one sum sum payment. And it just depends. Like, some people prefer to do it that way, and that's fine. That option is still there. Um, But one thing 
I, I do want to move us on to our last point. Of course. And so going back a little bit to we don't want to berate the consumer, and it's good for the consumer to have complaints about DLC, but there is one complaint that I don't tend to accept, and that is that if the developer or the publisher cared about the consumer, they would make the DLC free. I have one thing to say about that. Like, did they make a thing? Do you enjoy that thing? Then pay for that thing. Like, it's that simple to me. Like, it's something, you know, it's like some wanting to pay, like, artists for an exposure, you know? It's like, yeah. no, just don't do that. It's, yeah. it's something that you want to participate in and engage with. And, and I've talked about that a little bit in that if it comes out on day one, it seems like it was supposed to be in the main game, and it feels like it was taken out. And if that's actually the case, if it was explicitly taken out so that they could charge extra for it, that is questionable. But wanting something for free that somebody made, that many people spent hours and hours and of their lives making and crafting, even if it's not the best thing ever, like, pay for their work, you yeah. know? Yeah, like, buy things. It's what you are you as want, a consumer. If you, if you, you want buy. the thing, buy the thing. Yeah, and you might thing. say, well, I already paid for it. I bought the game. You bought the base game. You bought what they worked on for the base game. If you want the DLC, you didn't pay for the DLC. You gotta pay for that too. Because mm -hmm. honestly, it's more separate than than it seems. You know, like I said, the process starts in advance. They'll also have splintered groups um, on one game's team that will start. You know, that'll be working on the DLC. It's a separate thing. Even sometimes. I mean, obviously, there's exceptions. Like, like I've already mentioned. Nothing is universal. Of course, but um, but it's still like. Yeah, just no. Yeah. Just don't I, say that. I always say the only, <laughs> the only universal statement in this world. There's very few of them, but the most prominent one is that nothing is universal. Only the three. Other only all... three things are certain: death, taxes, and DLC and video games. <laughs> <laughs> but Lyle, uh, you just laughed so loud it like blew out my speaker. Dude. Yeah, you peaked. <laughs> you peaked. I'm sorry. <laughs> I try. I'm wearing headphones. But that got me. That got me. Uh, anyway, and one thing I'd like to say, because I, I think Nintendo gets the scrutiny more than other companies, because Nintendo has done a lot of free DLC with their games. Mm -hmm. They did it with uh, Splatoon, and they're doing it with ARMS. And the thing I don't think that people and realize... And they've done it with Awakening. They do it with yeah. both Fates and um, Echoes. There's free DLC, it's just not as amazing as the paid DLC. It's uh, Mila's Bounty, or Anna's Gift... You know, the, the small things that the game, it still gives you. Like, hey, we appreciate you buying the game. Here's some stuff. Which, which guess what? Mass Effect 3, the people complained about, did that too. They put out um, the their, this huge patch that quote-unquote fixed the ending of the game. And then they added it. Um, and then they gave all of the multiplayer DLC for free for, I think it was two years after the game came out. Or a year. Um, wow. Which was sort of i thought it was sort of unprecedented um so i mean I that, yeah free dlc happens and and i think it i think free dlc doesn't get appreciated as much as non-free dlc gets criticized which is a shame yeah but also i want to point out that even as we call it free dlc no dlc is free because no. that free dlc comes at either the developers or tears. the publisher's expense there's no such thing as free game content Zelfus thing is free anything. So mm. there. Someone has to pay for it somewhere down the line. I, I, except for this podcast, which 
<laughs> this podcast is free because I am poor and somehow managed to pay for it. I don't. What, what do you What do you mean this podcast is free? I spent money on a computer and a mic. You spent money on a mic. <laughs> we paid for okay. this podcast. We we paid our own money so that we could Time make sure is people money. are enjoy it. Time you is know, money. all like two people currently watching. Hey, Wait, there's two? There's two. Someone, yeah, someone popped by. They said hello. Yay! Oh, yeah. Hi! Hello. I, I don't see the I chat, but I say hi to you. Well, anyway. We appreciate you yeah. too enough that we spent our own mm-hmm. money to, in a so very nice. poor attempt <laughs> to entertain you. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's all for this live episode. Uh, thank you all for watching. Thank you, Pensic Swords. Uh, thank you, Undertale Overlord, who stopped by in the chat, even if you have Overload. left by now. Not overload. Overload. You both have really cu- cool usernames right. too. So. Yes, yes, they do. Yeah, it's um, way better than some lame username like Dozer Sagashi. I mean, who would use something like that? What I have weave. no idea. Yeah, he's the weebiest of weebs. Especially when you know the actual origin of that name. Which I will never talk about in public. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, thank you all for watching. Uh, I've been Dozer. I've been Dart. And I've been. Olivia? Fleet? Both of those people at the same time? And I'm supposed to be the one with multiple personality <laughs> problems. Well, well I mean, I'm the one with all the voices. Olivia. Well, I fe- well, you're on the overlay as Olivia. Well, then I'm Olivia today. Okay, yes. You've been Olivia today. since we switched over to Technical Disaster. Okay. Yep. It's, a new, it's a new life. Yes. Yes, it is. So anyway, you can check us all out on Twitter. Our Twitter handles are on the display or you can follow the podcast on twitter at tech Discast. give us hits that hit that follow button on twitch share out some love check out the facebook all the social links are down below bibbidi bobby doop we're out see ya bye bye